Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. I get to speak with Narinjan today, which I'm really excited to do and catch up with her. We had a podcast in the early days or an episode in the early days of my podcast. And so this has been a few years since then, I think. A lot has changed. And so I'm really excited to get to talk to her about what she's been up to. So let's just get into it. Here we go. Hello. <laughs> so how are you doing? Doing well. Loaded yeah, question. Been... Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's been like a wild ride the last couple of years. Wild ride indeed. But I'm doing, I am alive. And <laughs> therefore I am, yes, it's, that's, that's what I can say. <laughs> <laughs> I am alive. You have, you have made like the most I don't know. You've had the most like beautiful posts, I feel like, since everything's happened and you've been sharing a lot of your process and, and stuff. Was that was that part of your process, do you think, Sh like sharing it? Oh, yeah, but that's such a beautiful question. Oh, I <laughs> myself oh. up. <laughs> well done. Well done. Um, yeah, yeah, it has been. Um, writing is very cathartic for me. Writing is, I really enjoy writing and um, it really helps me like um, kind of come to the center of, of whatever experience I'm going through to come to the center of it and to find what I need to find in that experience, find the lesson in that experience. And then, it, and then when I get to, exp I love expressing it, like posting it on social media. I love to express it because then I get to see the kind of mirrored light awaken in other people. Like they kind of, people are like, yes, I hear you. I understand. I've experienced that too. Thank you, Mark. And I really, it's, it's very, it's a very like, it's like, that makes me feel alive for sure. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Was, was there ever anything that you decided to share that you were kind of nervous that you wouldn't have that like kind of luminous experience with? Um, yeah, there have been some posts I've done, some pieces of writing that I've done that are a little edgy, um, that I was kind of like, it took, it took me a while to post them. Cause I'm like, I'm like, I don't know how this is going to be received. People <laughs> might think I'm insane and I don't know. And usually with those pieces, like, I guess there, there's one in particular that I waited a long time to post and, um, and then I, I finally did one day. I was like, okay, no, it'll be fine. I should, I should post it. And I did. And it was like the most shared and liked and commented on post that I did. And it went like a bit, I posted it on this like home to her page, this page on Facebook called home to her. Oh. And it like went there and um, I don't know what happened, you know, what happened since, I don't know, but it's, it's, it was, I'm glad I did. Cause it was just, it exploded. And so um but that was the hardest definitely I felt that way with that one I was like yeah. that post is called Lilith it's a piece of writing and it's on my website it's on my professional Facebook page um and it's on that home to her page but yeah it's about oh. like the arch the archetype of Lilith which is like the kind of dark side of the divine feminine and um and so it's just a little it's a little edgy <laughs> <laughs> a, little, a little like slutty you know well. like in a <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I think I don't know. I don't. I don't know if this is strange to say, but it's. It seems like of all the people that I've known, well, there's a few, but like you've just had. You seem to have just like 
kind of decided to just, okay, let's do something else. Like, (laughs) so that wasn't it. I don't know. I don't know. Is that is that like your impression or is that kind? Because of, I mean, we all have impressions when we look when we see people's posts. And oh, I love that. That's your impression. Definitely. <laughs> red. Um, one thing that really has really has been powerful and wonderful for me in this in the last two years is that I um, right in the beginning of 2020, like when everything started to shift, when COVID happened, when my spiritual community turned upside down. Um, I felt inspired to start getting into astrology and researching, learning it, researching it. I, I got this like fantastic mentor. I listened to podcasts. I read books. I just, I dove, I immersed myself in the study of, of uh, Western astrology and immersed myself. I mean, I was obsessed when I say I immersed myself in something, it's like, I'm completely obsessed with it. It's like every spare moment and my brain soaks it up like a sponge and like my whole life becomes that like live and breathe the thing. And so, um, yeah, I did that with astrology and, um, and then I started kind of started slow, just like giving people informal, just like readings and just kind of dipping my toes into the world of working with people with astrology. But I very quickly, um, I I learned very quickly and kind of found my footing in it very quickly. And, um, and then, and then, but I still kept just doing it informally. And then I started charging, you know, a small amount. And then eventually I started charging, not like a lot, there's still reasonable prices, but like, um, but yeah, so now I've been doing it for two years now. And now um, I basically, I call it, I refer to what I do as astrology based life coaching. So, because it's not just like your run-of-the-mill astrology reading, um, where like someone will tell your fortune or predict your future, or some people, some astrologers like to, um, you know, even just do a reading and send you a recording of it, which mm. I have like, I don't see there's nothing wrong with that. There's lots of ways to do astrology, but I was drawn, I'm not even super into like transit readings, which are more like predictions and stuff. I actually am drawn to the psychology of it and mm. to the kind of more counseling side of it where I use it as like a, um, I almost use it as like a personality map. Mm. You know, how like sometimes when you go see coaches or counselors or whatever, you'll fill in like an intake form, like a form about your life and they kind of, or or sometimes people like to use the Myers-Briggs like personality test, right? I kind of relate to astrology as a tool, a similar type of tool where you know, I just, I get to look at someone's chart, but what the first thing I do when I meet with people is hear from them and I get to see, it's like, okay, well, here's their chart, but here's the human. And like, you know, I kind of get to click their chart onto them and see like, well, how, how does their, how does everything I see in their chart manifest for them actually? Hmm. And cause otherwise it doesn't matter to me. I'm like, I don't care what this chart says unless it's on a person. Yeah. And so then, they've sent I, it to you ahead of time? No, they just sent me their, their birth info and I pull up their chart okay. and plan it ahead of, I just kind of plan it out and look at all the connections and look at the way their planets are set up and the signs and stuff. And then I, and then in the reading, it's just like, we just talk about their life and what they have trouble with and what they love and, you know, what's going on for them. And basically what I do is help people see themselves 
clearly. You know, people often come to me for like guidance or advice and, um, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not actually going to give you guidance or advice. Sorry. But what I will do is help you see, help you connect with, like see yourself more clearly and see your life more clearly and understand your nature better. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, you can reorient your perspective and then find your own way. Cause I'm like, yeah. I'm free. I don't know your life. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Like, God, <laughs> the worst idea ever. But what I can do is help, like, awaken them to, like, well, have you tried looking at yourself this way? Like, are you aware that you might be sensitive in this way in a way that you didn't realize? And oftentimes people are like, oh, my God, yeah, that explains so much. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And it just reorients them so that they can see their problem from a different perspective. And then it's not a problem. Then mm-hmm. it's just, like, how do they walk in it then? and they get to decide that and so it's like essentially putting people back in the driver's seat as opposed to getting in the driver's seat instead of instead of them which is what mm. people think they want a lot of the time get in the driver's seat tell me what to do I don't know I'm lost <laughs> I'm like no no it's okay like no you just need like to turn on Siri to like you know <laughs> like tell you where you are you just need to be able to see the map that's okay you'll figure it your own way and um and so that's that's what I love doing. And I also feel passionately about doing that because I feel like in my upbringing, in the Kundalini yoga world, I was more encouraged to give up my position in the driver's seat and give my power away to higher, to a higher power, to guides, to guru, to whatever else, put anything else in the driver's seat other than me. Mm. And me in the driver's seat was considered ego. And, you know, putting myself in the driver's seat was considered going into Shakti pod, as they called it. And I'm like, "Mm, no. So the work that I do, I feel really passionately about putting people in their own driver's seat and helping them, helping them just figure out how to, how to actually drive. Because they don't know how to drive because they don't know themselves. And I'm like, I'll help. I'll help you. (laughs) That's interesting that that was your experience and also mine. And yet we were doing a practice and you were doing it much longer than I was. That was supposedly putting you in the driver's seat. I mean, that was the marketing pitch, right? Exactly. Yes, exactly. Well, that's exactly, that's the problem. That was the problem. And that's why, that's why it was just, that's why it was like one giant gaslighting session. Um, and who I actually don't blame any single person for because I completely unintentionally gaslight, gaslit tons of people because that's mm. what I, was how you do it, you know, gaslighting them by telling them to not listen to their guidance and by saying like, no, I am, I am telling you to get in your driver's seat. That's what it's about. Mm. And it's like, but none of us knew, none of us knew that that's actually the opposite was happening. Yeah. And in my opinion, that's what happens with cults. That's a cult thing. That's just actually pretty normal. Yeah. It's actually normal. Um, it happens all the time. In, and, um, and that to me, that's the essence of spirituality really is finding, finding that complete. It's like turning that coin. Really, it's two sides of the same coin. It seems like the opposite thing, but it's two sides of the same coin. Um, it's like either giving your power away or claiming your power um to of your over your own life and um you know one thing that I always come back to with astro- with the astrology work that I do is that everything has its gift and sh- everything is a double-sided coin 
and like everything has its gift and its shadow and Mm. that what I've noticed is that you know in our lives we always all of us get to experience both the gift and the shadow both and we don't get to experience only one side of anything we get to experience the pain and the pleasure and the love and the loss and the life and the death both Mm. and uh, that's part of just being alive and so I feel that um um you know generally when you are in the experiencing the shadow side it's like usually that's from fear and shame and desperation is what puts us into that shadow experience and the one you know like when we have a traumatic experience and we're afraid we we draw back and we pull back and we're like oh no oh my god disconnect and your brain goes into survival mode how can i survive and get through this thing and you get like overwhelmed with feeling and you're like nope just have to survive so you disconnect and you know you can't really feel love when you're in that state Hmm. you can't feel love when you're in survival mode it doesn't work Hmm. and if you're in survival mode you know from ptsd from various ways for a long period of time you forget how to feel love right your nervous system kind of forgets what pleasure feels like because you're just Hmm. constantly in survival and that you end up just feeling the default and the shadow side of things everything becomes pain everything becomes hard and um and everything flips over into its shadow mode but then the one thing that unlocks unlocks that shadow and brings it to the gift seems to be love from what i've seen that love just works time like safety and love and so and so i just feel that you know, spiritual organizations, just like everything else, have their gift and their shadow side. Why would that be any different? Mm-hmm. There's no perfect spiritual organization. It's not how it works. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to be in the gift frequency of it and not the shadow frequency. And in my opinion, the shadow frequency thinks if the shadow frequency is actually giving away your power, where the gift frequency of it is claiming your power. But it takes love for that. It takes love and safety. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately um a lot of the human beings that come into those spiritual organizations are scared Mm -hmm. and they're just like oh my god i want to give my power away because i'm really super scared and i want you to take care of me and tell me what to do and also you know there's people in power positions like yogi bhajan was who are abusing and manipulating people Mm -hmm. and um that doesn't create an environment of safety creates the opposite Mm -hmm. and so you know if you don't feel safety you don't feel love and then you get to be in the shadow of it so anyway that's that's a spiel yeah no and and as you were saying that i was thinking oh i kind of forgot my train of thought anyway sorry it's my fault no 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 no. it's no i that that was really great i got really mesmerized by by the whole visual of that yes i think part of the fear for people too once you're in it is the fear of if you if you don't follow what is being taught as opposed to like what you're feeling about it or what you're you know feeling empowered to make decisions that maybe don't conform to the group's ideals then you're going to be ostracized and maybe you don't have a community anymore totally fear yeah absolutely yeah and that that's kind of what ended up happening anyway (laughs) which was, which was, you know, like the, the sort of dissolution of this, what was, you know, in some sense is kind of a beautiful collection of people, you know, it was, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And then we all kind of like, it's sad because like what brought us all together was this, was this belief system, which we participated in both the gift and shadow of, we both felt all the love, but also all the fear of being ostracized and the fear of thinking differently and the fear. And, and so we all felt, and so we all gave our power away because another thing is like, whatever we're afraid of, we give our power to. Mm. And so if, you know, it's like, if you're in survival mode, um, and you're afraid of losing something, then it's like if you're in survival mode and being in a group, like an, like accepted into like a tribe makes you feel safe, which it makes everyone feel safe because we're human. Mm. You know, then you have this fear of loss and this fear of being ostracized. Um, and then you give power to that fear of being ostracized, which allows that to control you because mm. right? you're afraid so you give power over it power over you and it's sad because that's totally human we're all afraid of being ostracized jesus that's how we were biologically survived mm -hmm. it sucks it's kind of like who's susceptible to being you know <laughs> being in a cult um try everybody you know it's like everyone is yeah mm -hmm. yeah there's but, yeah sorry go on Oh, no, I was going to say to that point, absolutely, everyone. And I think what's so interesting is, is that unless someone has actually recognized how they've become susceptible to any sort of, you know, idea, thought, political party, I mean, anything, you know, they get involved and they like stake their whole identity on it. Yes. I think they're, they're not very compassionate to the idea that you could get duped or that you could like look back 10 years later and go, or 20 or 50, you know, and go, how did I like, how did I believe that for so long, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because they're like, you should have known better, but it's hard to know unless you've experienced. Yeah, it really is because there's so much gray area. There's, it's like, because it wasn't all, be, it's it's because it's like with the being duped, there was so much true, real, genuine love mm. that was present. Mm. And um you know, just like in a relationship or a marriage. And it's, it's just like, you know, you, you don't get like for, for a lot of people, it's like, you don't get divorced or separated and think like that entire thing was a mistake. There was never any love. Oh, that's such like, a great point. I love that. <laughs> of course there was, yeah. but there with the light comes the dark, with the gift comes the shadow. There was also stuff that was really unhealthy because both people's traumas just came up and we both acted out unhealthy stories. And it's like, we had to then free each other from those unhealthy stories and give new shape and new can and give a new container to the love that exists. That's just not. And I feel that, you know, I feel that it's the same with, with, you know, the kind of with the Kundalini yoga world. It's like, I know everyone that I've talked to, everyone says, but, but I miss the community, but I miss the people, but the people, but it's like, well, who abused you? Who gaslit you? That person? Well, yeah, but it wasn't their fault. They're such a beautiful person. I love them. Like, yeah, that's everybody. That was all of us. <laughs> right? It's like, whose fault was it? Like, well, it was all of our fault and none of our fault. Yeah. So because all of us are human and we all had fear and we all bought into this. Well, it was kind of Yogi Bajan's fault, but you know, like, <laughs> Him, you know, like, yeah, yeah. What the hell he actually went through when he was a yeah. kid, and he wouldn't it's, have been able to create anything if people hadn't wanted it too. Which is yes, it's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's 
yeah i mean he he did pray on us but we did yeah just lay down and just expose our bellies you know well that was something i'm not sure if you listened to the shabbat's podcast that he did it was like a two-part series it was like the history of yoga in the u.s oh my god it's so good oh that's really good oh hmm. yeah it's so good but one of the things that he talks about philip to slip talks about in that is just like how ripe and ready these people were for wanting someone to tell them what to do. I mean, it was just that it was like the perfect storm. And so many of the things that Yogi Bhajan ended up teaching, according to him, were things that they basically, they were like, you want us to be vegetarian, right? Yes, you must be vegetarian, (laughs) like these sorts of things. Whereas he probably wasn't in the first place anyway, but he knew that that's what they wanted to hear. So yeah, it, it, that, that was really interesting to me. Well, and he probably also saw that like, oh, is this, it's kind of like, like once he, it's kind of like uh, when you want to sell someone something, you have to find out what they want first mm-hmm. and it puts them in a position of power to be able to then buy them with their power. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you want to give your power to me? If I tell you to do this thing, they're like, yeah, like, okay, <laughs> well, I have to do it. Right. And I mean, yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, I just, yeah, it's, it's so hard. Cause there's really one really interesting thing I found in this process is really like a lot of the people that I even see in my astro coaching uh, practice is like most of the people that come to me are people who have, who know me through my music and they're like, mm-hmm. Oh, you do this. Oh my God. Okay. I want it. Mm-hmm. And um, which I'm so grateful for. Thank God. And <laughs> But, you know, and it's kind of like I, I speak to so many people all the time who still love Kundalini practice and mm-hmm. who still do it and are just like, you know, I see I'm like, oh, well, yeah, they're not they're not being indoctrinated right now. They were never indoctrinated. That, has, that, that was not a thing for them. Yeah. Like how many people on this planet who were just so beautifully touched and could still are touched by this practice. And it's like. Um, one thing that was happening that I witnessed when everything came out about Yogi Bhajan was that people whose lives had literally been saved by the practice of Kundalini Yoga, mm. who had never been into the indoctrination of it, never, the, who had never gone into like the inner circle, whatever, they just practiced it and it saved their lives. And they, whatever, they, they do all kinds, they're just, they drink, they eat meat, they, whatever, they have nothing to do with the, like, lifestyle or the, like, dharma of it, mm-hmm. and when it came out, they're, like, it's just, it's, it's, like, to say, this is all fake, actually, it's all a cult, and it's fake, and you were manipulated and duped, and none of it's real, is actually horrible and not okay mm-hmm. for them, mm-hmm. because it's not true, they actually were healed. They actually did have this beautiful experience. It was their medicine. And to say that that's, it's wrong and fake is like gaslighting them. Mm. And it's, and I saw it and I was like, no, 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 guys, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We need to be a little conscious about this here. Cause this is abusive to them mm. and it's not fair to them. And, um, and, um, and I really, the way I feel also about, but then of course it's a tough one. It's a tough one because then everyone who it's like, I don't want to just, you can't just say, Oh no, it's legitimate and it's real. Cause then everyone who was, you know, totally screwed over by it in the indoctrination side and in the Dharmic side is like, you can't say that <laughs> it's real because like, no, it's not. Look at all the reasons why it's fake. 
No, because right. it, it was they were abused. Right. And so it's very like this interesting line to walk. And what I feel, I mean, my personal opinion is that my personal, total personal opinion on the matter is that like, um, I like to compare it to like scientists and psychedelics um, because like, you know, oh, I can't wait to hear this. Okay. <laughs> oh, 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 good. Oh, good. I can't <laughs> I'm always excited. You always get me to talk, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so like you know as far as i'm concerned kundalini yoga is is like it's a form of just it's almost like a form of a psychedelic you know especially anyone who's like gone really deep into like white tantric yoga the breath pranayama practices meditation it's like people have practically had hallucinations like during white tantric yoga practices it's like you know anyone who's done both psychedelics and really heavy duty kundalini yoga anyone's going to draw a comparison and be like, yep, that's very similar experience. Mm -hmm. And, um, um, and of course in Kundalini yoga, we were, you know, in the like dharmic kind of side of things we were taught like, no, the psychedelics are evil. Don't touch them. They'll make it so that you can't meditate ever again. They'll destroy your brain, you know, which is very culty in my opinion. They're just trying to like monopolize you know spiritual experience and it's just like sorry doesn't, you can't actually do that you can try and make us believe but anyway so um you know and with psychedelics you know if you when they are um when they're used intentionally and in a safe space with the proper with the proper dosage um for the individual that you know would like to use them um they can be profoundly healing like profoundly just like help you have incredible psychological personal growth breakthroughs mm. that you know you can spend years doing talking therapy and then just have a medicine ceremony with proper integration and just make leaps and bounds it can change your life because it directly ac accesses your nervous system and helps you to integrate change and open doors that you wouldn't be able to open otherwise and um that's important and, um, you know, or psychedelics can be abused and they can be used, they can be slipped into somebody's drink when they're not looking. Mm. They can be, you know, used without someone's consent. They can be used in massively, massively high doses again and again and literally kill people. Mm. Uh, they can, you know, you can become addicted to a psychedelic and just spiral downward and not be able to, you know, relate to your brain in a normal way anymore. Yeah. They can be used abused. They can be abused. They can be used abusively, um, and in my opinion, so can Kundalini Yoga, and it was. Hmm. And you know, I love Russell Brand's quote. I wish I had it in front of me. I don't have it, but he talks about like you know comparing different drugs and to different yogas. You know, like to different like you know like marijuana is like you know like a nice hatha. You know, <laughs> you just get kind of high and like whatever. But then. Um, but and then he, he compares he says that kundalini yoga is like the crack cocaine of yoga and that it, and he says it just blows the fucking doors off that's what he says and i and i'm like well i'm not going to argue that yeah it does and in my opinion that's the intention and that's mm. why you can create like i i totally in my opinion he did create it i don't believe this like story of like this lineage and it was taught in sure. secret and he like you know whatever i don't i don't know that yeah. could be true yeah i don't know i don't actually think i think he fabricated that story that's my opinion 
Um, but I think that what he did was, um, you know, I think that he actually was like a yogic master. I think he gathered breath techniques and meditation techniques and, you know, asana techniques from like just many different practices. And I think he was like a scientist in a lab, like the scientists that created MDMA. Hmm. They're like, hmm, how can we make like a really potent psychedelic to do this like very specific thing? And they like get all these like naturally occurring substances that they find from all these different places and put them all together, test it out and like create this, this like thing that packs a real punch that's very, very powerful. In my opinion, I think that's exactly what Yogi Bhajan did. I think he was like a scientist in a lab and he brought together all these different practices, all these different techniques and created an incredibly powerful um, practice that it, it is that is in many ways like a psychedelic hmm. and used it in my opinion and then just like taught it and people are getting high obviously they're like this is the best thing ever because they were doing psychedelics are all the hippies right mm -hmm. they're like oh my god now we can do this and like we can you know they're like well it's it's more kind of controlled and it doesn't have these big side effects you know in the same way that like coke does or like you know and um, it doesn't necessarily have the same addictive, you know, properties. Mm -hmm. um, well, anything can be an addiction, but anyway. And um, everyone got high. And then he told them that this was the mission of their soul, mm. was to spread this thing. Mm. And to me, that's where that's where everything went wrong. Yeah, Because that's where he, it's like that he used it as a tool to tell them that that's their purpose in life and that's their mission. Mm. And they've got to follow this thing. And then they'll be like liberated and that that's the best thing that they could possibly do. And he's like, well, don't you believe me? It's real. Like practice this meditation and tell me that's not real. Yeah. Well, and like, and no, that. Real. yeah, no, I was thinking also the, the abusive part would have been just to convince them that they could only get that state through him. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That this is the only way it's the only one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's interestingly said before about monopolizing, but yeah. Monopolizing, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interestingly though, he was always very like, I remember he was like meeting with Dalai Lama and he's like mm. talking about other practices and saying how like, you know, all these ways are the ways to God. And he doesn't like, it's like he monopolized it and didn't at the same time. Mm. That was like part of the podcast that Shoga did interestingly. It was like mm -hmm. how how he was like he would he would talk shit about the white people to the Punjabis in Punjabi and then he would talk shit about the Punjabis to the white people in English and like so maybe there was some of that going on too that like yeah. you, what what everyone was hearing was sort of different from the actual conversations that were taking place. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because it's almost like what it sounds like to me is that that he would try to that he would actually kind of like speak what was the truth and what people could really resonate with um and like kind of like because you know the truth is everybody's perspectives all mixed up together right mm. it's like so if people in my opinion it's like there's no one truth it's like well mm. yeah well how about what everybody says you know like, <laughs> how about everyone's perspective everyone has a different yeah, yeah. piece of the truth that when we put it all together that's what it is yeah. um but like maybe it was like that he you know, spoke about kind of like tried to tune into people and spoke about, um, you know, 
because like he did say things to people that were really genuinely helpful and true for them like many people did have that experience where he would like kind of find their fault line find their like place and poke Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. and you know but he would do it so that they would follow him Mm -hmm. right said that he was doing it to like so that he could stimulate this like growth in them and that they would be like the the best human being that they could be but really no it was just so that they would be like you're right I'm gonna follow you Mm -hmm. he even said don't follow me Right. You know, and we're like, look how humble he is. Then you're following him. <laughs> you know, it's like, I just feel like that's all he was doing, really. Yeah. yeah. It's like, he's like, wow, what's the truth here? What, what, kind of like, what do they want to hear? Mm-hmm. But like, but also like, even deeper than what, what, it's almost like, what do they need to hear? And then once they hear it, they'll know that I'm like, quote unquote, oh, their teacher. Oh, you know, because yeah. it's like, sometimes it wasn't just what people wanted to hear right because sometimes it was what people people really did actually need to hear and that's what made it so shitty yeah was because he used that to manipulate them because he actually really did see people a lot of the time and he used that to manipulate them to follow him yeah and that's how he preyed on people and that's why like the smartest people got sucked in anyway yeah yeah that's interesting that's that's interesting to hear your perspective on that yeah do you do you feel like you would have gotten into music if it hadn't been for you? You got to go in like four minutes, <laughs> two yeah. three minutes. So we'll wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you feel like, yeah? Do you feel like that 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 would have been a, a path for you if it hadn't been for the yoga? Like, was that sort of encouraged more than you would have naturally wanted to do it, or or do you think you would have become a musician regardless? I don't know because I was born. I was. I was literally, I was born three months early and I was like in this incubator and they like put a tape deck playing mantra in the incubator. So, wow. wow. Yeah. That, so it's kind of like, I don't know, there was no time before. So it's like, I mean, I feel, yeah, because there was no time before. So there was no me without, without it. Mm. it, it there, it's like there, there was never a chance for me to feel that way until now. Mm. And now I'm having trouble finding my way back to music. I haven't sung really in two years. Mm. So that's actually part that's that we can leave it there. And that's, yeah. it's <laughs> like, that's, it's like the, yes, there is music. There is music without 3HO, yeah. but I, I haven't found it because it was too woven in yeah. my process of claiming my own life and starting my own life. I can feel it. Like I know that as I claim myself and start my own new life and get to build my own life for myself and empower myself, I'm going to have to find my art. I'm going to, there's going to be, there's going to be music that's mine. Hmm. And I haven't found it yet. Oh, that is a really nice note to end on. I like that. (laughs) Do you want to tell people how they can um, contact you about maybe getting some astrology life coaching? Yeah. Do you yeah, you can go to my website, um, naringenastro.com, um, N-I-R-I-N-J-A-N, astro.com. And um, yeah, it's super easy. You can read all about what I do. You can, the different session types that I offer, but if it's your first time, you've got to do the initial natal chart reading. But anyway, you can learn all about that. You can book really easily through there on my schedule. Everything's streamlined, super easy. And yeah. Um, 
you can read also on my website things that I've written, like that Lilith uh, thing that I mentioned about the Divine Feminine. Um, and um, there's a lot of other things I've written on there that you can also, people can, can look at. And there's a link to my music website, you can listen to my music, which I don't regret a single note of, I, I don't regret it at all. And I, you know, it was truly an authentic expression of my art and um, as, as it was in my life and, you know, I'll make more, but I don't regret what I did already. So, yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. And thanks for tuning in, y'all. And we'll see you in the next episode. All right, bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning into the podcast, y'all. Please like, subscribe, rate, comment, whatever the platform you listen to podcasts on offers you as a way to let its algorithm know that you're enjoying these episodes. That really helps. Also, there's some links in the podcast description notes that allow you to support the podcast in a way that benefits you and us. So please check those out. And if you'd like to stay in touch with me, you can sign up for my mailing list at portersinger.com. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye.